You're listening to episode 40 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Like a furry with diarrhea at Comic-Con, we're giving this one a second wipe. Oh, God. How did you even think of that? No part of that made me feel comfortable. Phil, Phil, uh, Phil took a shit on the first recording of this podcast, and he's also dating a furry. Ah, that's a deep one, man. It's a deep cut. In both that it, it it's not a, a hit song on the album, and also that it cuts Phil's deep. Phil, damn it, I screwed up my own joke. It cuts Phil deep, all right? Let's just do the show. Thanks for stepping all over my joke. We had a bit of a technical snafu uh, in the process of getting this show out, uh, in the sense that Phil screwed the pooch and uh or his laptop screwed the pooch get it <laughs> oh <laughs> that was savage <laughs> oh my god this won't be so oh, bad baby uh so we are doing this Hachi again machi. that's a good one we're not going to belabor the point but we felt that we should tell you guys the truth oh, about why we were recording this podcast at 7 p.m on a sunday Instead of between the hours of 11 and 12 on a Saturday. Because you totally know the difference, audience. Well, they don't, but we do. And that's why there's drinking going on right now. Yeah. Who's drinking? <laughs> he says, sipping from his giant can of PBR. So, um, <laughs> SDC's, SDCC is over. And uh, that, that was a huge event last weekend. Obviously, tons of news that came from that. We did a show about that last week, uh, so you guys can check that out if you are unfamiliar with our feelings about the first half of San Diego Comic-Con. We're here to talk about the second half of that event and all of the stuff that was announced that uh, we didn't have the time to talk about or that just hadn't happened yet. Uh, So if you want to hear our last episode or any of our prior episodes, you can check us out on iTunes where we are currently a five-star rated podcast. You can contribute to that if you want to or not right now. I feel like Phil deserves a one. So if you want to throw that one star out there, don't, but think about it. Um, We are also... Just tweet at Cyborg Bebop and tell him he sucks. Tell him he's a one. Tell him he deserves a one star rating. Uh, I, I was expecting the. I, uh, yeah, I, mean, I left the floor open for the that. response, but Phil's just no selling. I'm letting the digs come because ultimately I'm going to become a martyr here. I am the voice of the voiceless, the most influential Enough. pal. So uh, <laughs> we are also on all other podcast hosting platforms. And if we're not where you want us to be, tell us so we can be there. Uh, we are also at the Comics Pals everywhere social media is sold. You can check us out there. Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can send in all manner of things to us, and we'll read them on the air if they're appropriate for the air. And if they're not, we won't. Uh, and then... <laughs> and uh, Well, there you have it. On YouTube, if you are listening to us on YouTube, definitely be sure to like this video. Uh, leave a comment, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. There's a bunch of stuff on YouTube that you can't listen to if you are an audio-only listener. So you might want to make that jump over to YouTube, especially in the coming weeks. We've got a lot of content coming out for you guys, so stay tuned for that. Also, before we do move on, I just want to mention that the book club episode, our first book club episode, is live. 
finally, we promised it. It's here for you guys to check out if you want to hear us talk about um, Spider-Man Blue, Craven's Last Hunt, and Volume 1 of Ultimate Spider-Man. Take, Give it a listen. So, uh, with that, let's dive into the show. Uh, so, obviously, each of us is a little peeved about having to do this deal again, but uh, putting that aside, how are we feeling? Not drunk enough yet. I was just reading reviews of the Emoji Movie, and uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> this movie's bad. <laughs> doesn't it have like a doesn't it have like a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that? Something ridiculous. Worse. If I was paid to be a critic, I would write my review using poop emojis exclusively. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. You file a review that's literally just just like five thousand words and nothing but poop emojis. Here's the here's the one, and I'll only read this one. Uh, this is the one that really really clenched it for me. <laughs> I keep screaming, but God won't answer. <laughs> Did Rorschach write that one? That was heavy. Uh, no, King uh, King what's his name from Kirby? King DDD, nice. DDD, <laughs> nice. So we are gonna get into the news. There's tons of it to talk about. Um, but before we do that, I do want to get into the reader mail because we have some. We do. Uh, so this comes from Kyle, who's written to the show uh, once before. He writes in with a random question, and he asks, If you had to choose a comic book universe to live in, which would you choose? And I'm not saying Marvel, DC, etc. I mean a specific book or series. It could be a certain without, too. Which we ascertained yesterday to mean pick a universe that you don't want to live in as well. So we're going to pick a book's universe that we would want to live in, and then one that we would never want to live in. So I'm going to start it off. Uh, I would absolutely want to live in Asgard. Uh, if I live in Asgard, it means that I'm an Asgardian, which makes me a god, which is pretty cool. Uh, I have powers, which is pretty cool. And I'm not under the threat of death every minute. So I'll pick that. And then. Just once every, every once in a while when the Frost Trolls attack, right? Yeah, but I can fight. Or Hera comes and wipes out everyone in Asgard. Nah, I can fight her. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hella, right? Sorry. Hera's, that's a Greek goddess, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I, I really feel like uh, that's a pretty safe bet. And then as far as places that I don't want to live, gosh. Um, uh, there are a lot of bad places in comics. Like 99% of places Yeah, in I'm going to go with just like Marvel New York. I just think that that place, like the threat of death is ever present. Uh, you could be... Aside from the fact that, you know, like, bad things can happen to you in New York in general, uh, you also have the fact that the Green Goblin could just grab you out of the sky. Um, you know, New York could get sucked into the negative zone. Like, I don't know. Awful stuff, right? I don't want to be involved. It's in just it. like, there's so, like, Avengers Tower is there, Spider-Man, like, the, the like I don't know. There's just so many people. The Doctor Strange, right? There's so many like POEs for danger in New York City in the Marvel universe. It's just like the fact that everyone that there's anyone that lives there at all is a mystery to me. Yeah, I'm moving to Kentucky. The worst thing about living in Marvel New York is that people like Joe Quesada and Axel Alonso would be editing you and basically dictating your life. <laughs> and no one wants. I might. That. I want someone to dictate my life. Not them though. Maybe not. They might end my relationship. <laughs> and on it, and you'll never remember. I really feel like being in a serious relationship ages Sean in a way that's just not good for the show. 
(laughs) (laughs) The Comics Pals, episode 52, one more day. (laughs) (laughs) I think all the pals need to be bachelors, otherwise it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Doesn't, how's it going to appeal to young readers? So I guess, I don't want to go back to that. I guess I would not want to live in a Spider-Man book because it's, it's purgatory. <laughs> so where would you want to live? Huh, where would I want to live? Um, I guess nowhere, because then I can hang out with Cosmo, the Russian superdog, and I want to hang out with a cool cosmonaut dog. Oh, like nowhere, K N O. Yeah, yeah, from the Guardians <laughs> books. Right. So it would just be him and I hanging in a celestial head, and it'd be cool. It'd be real dope. Uh, so I think mine would be similar to Sean's. I would want to be, I would want to be in a universe where I could be part of something cool. Um, but I'm gonna go sort of the opposite direction, and I'm gonna go the future. Uh, and I want to be, uh, part of the Legion of Superheroes. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Uh, there is obviously a good chance that I wouldn't be a legionnaire, but I mean, there's also there are a lot of them, so there's a good chance I would. You can be. do the what Booster Golden steal a ring for yourself. There you go. Yep, yep. Uh, and as for where I wouldn't want to live, anywhere that's like super high fantasy. So Asgard, because I'm at, at well Asgard. I would you know I in Sean's world would be a god too, so that wouldn't be that big a deal. But something like uh in along the lines of like Headlopper or Conan the Barbarian. Like, no way. I'm not surviving that for five minutes. <laughs> you you know, uh Sean, you said New York, Marvel New York, but you know what's probably worse than that, honestly? Gotham. Yeah, Gotham's pretty awful, but <clears throat> I'll take my chances that I can avoid the Joker like shooting me randomly in the streets because I just won't go outside. In Marvel, though, like <laughs> it's a pretty like it's a it's a pretty good chance that someone super powered is going to blow up the building that I live in, and then I'm just dead. What a way to go out! This sucks. Yeah, you're just like literally sitting on your toilet, and then like your building just gets crushed by like you know the Chitari or whatever. Yeah, Galactus. There's a lot of Elvis Presleys. Yeah, Galactus. <laughs> Galactus just steps his big ass boot right on your city. Pulls down <laughs> his cosmic pants and takes a dump on your building. <laughs> he takes a dump. Oh on man, your building. for me, it's like I, I'm like I, I'm trying to think of like books that I read, and like literally almost all the worlds are horrifying. You know, it's like any world with superheroes is a terrifying place you don't want to be. So honestly, like I think the easiest answer for me is just Riverdale because it's literally just like small town America and like I can handle like that kind of drama. It's just real life. I could deal, I could deal with even, even if we're talking about like the show, like murder mystery, like all that stuff. Fine. Fine. I can. Yeah. Murder. Like that happens everywhere. Big deal. Right. It's not like getting stepped on by a being that's literally going to eat the world or alien invade. Like I I can handle murder. Okay. (laughs) So that's well, fine. I mean, Jughead's not going to fuck you. He's asexual. In the books, yeah. That's a dystopia that we can do without. <laughs> I'm just saying. I go hang out at Pops. Like, whatever. It'd be good. It'd be a good time. Where do you not want to live? <sighs> like, literally anywhere else. Like, literally <laughs> any other book. Um, 
Like, my mind immediately goes to, I mean, The Walking Dead, that sounds pretty horrible, right? Like a post-apocalyptic society. But I think I'd the one I'd least like to live in is probably Saga. Because, like, in that universe, like, the entire known galaxy is just in an endless war that seems like it's never going to end. So, pass. You know what would be a real chill uh, existence is being part of the Scooby-Doo gang? In the Scooby-Doo comics? Um, wait, which ones? The one where it's post-apocalypse and they're fighting for their lives against no. fucking demons? No. Because those are the current Scooby-Doo comics, Phil. Or the ones where the adults are trying to ruin everyone's lives. Oh, that's real life, too. Oh, oh. Yeah, I, I beat you to the <laughs> punchline. Beat me to it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, hopefully that answers your question, Kyle. And we appreciate you writing in. Anyone else that feels like writing in, please do so. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And we will answer your questions, do your random questions of the week on the air, all that kind of jazz. And I want to point out that Pete did not tell us it was time for the random question of the week this week. The random question of the week! Man, we thought, Phil, you really fucked this episode up. (laughs) Well, I'm two beers down. I'll do my best this time to make it even worse. Oh my god. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. You were trying your best before? Oh, God. All right. So uh, before we do jump into the news, I want to share this week's Pals Pulls with you guys. Uh, Pals Pulls is a curated list of books that are coming out this week that each one of us wants you guys to know that we're reading and excited about. So uh, if you want to share yours with us, you can use the hashtag Pals Pulls on social media and share your pulls with us and we'll read them on the air. If we like them. Uh, so, kicking it off, we've got uh, Paper Girls Volume 3 from Pete and Phil. You guys want to talk about that a little? Yeah. Uh, it's good. I read the first volume and the and part of the second volume. I was reading those online. It's a really good book. It's like Stranger Things meets... Uh, kind of like... It, it's got a little... Like, because it's written by Brian K. Vaughn, it feels like a Brian K. Vaughn book. And, a, and that's a good thing because he's a really talented writer. Yeah, uh, I think it's one one of the better books being published right now. Um, I'd absolutely read it. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Um, I think it's like a very like Stranger Things. I definitely agree with that. It also has like kind of like a Stand by Me kind of vibe. You know, yeah, it's like definitely. that like classic you know nostalgic drip story about like young kids on the cusp of um, adolescence, I guess, and you know um, with a really really unique sci fi twist. So. Um, if you're a fan of Brian K. Vaughn and you're not reading this book, check it out. This is a book I often recommend to people who don't read comics. I think it's really accessible, and I think it's easily digestible, too. Yeah, and I think it's particularly appealing to women because all the leading characters are, like, well-drawn female characters, which is always refreshing because, you know, frankly, there aren't very many books like that. Cool. Uh, And then also from Pete, we've got The Walking Dead 170. I kind of feel like you've said it all about The Walking Dead at this point. Yeah, right. What more can you say about The Walking Dead? You know, it's uh, the book's in a healthy place right now, though. So if you fell off the book and you're wondering if you should still be reading it, I would, yeah, I'd recommend it. And then also Sex Criminals number 20. Yeah, and this one's um, uh, a reprint, but, you know, it's just Sex Criminals is another, like, really great image book. If, you know, if you're not reading it, um, you know, if you're not familiar with it either, uh, it's, you know, Matt Fraction and um, Chip Zdarsky, who are two of the best creators in the industry right now. And, their collaboration on this book is fantastic. It's been great for years, so check it out. Cool. And then from Kale, we've got Met Cadet U number one, and a book that Kale will uh, 
will pronounce for himself. I'll give him the floor to do that. This is the part of the show where Kale gets a proper noun fucked up. Maybe he might get it. <laughs> Wait for it. Wait for it. Mangeki Sharingan. <laughs> what in the world was that? Mangeki. Mangeku. Okay, well that's not what are you are you having a stroke, Kale? What's the title of the book? <laughs> <laughs> so the book is called Lobster Johnson Mangeku. Uh that Oh. Mangeku. <laughs> Francisco. Mangeku. Man, I thought this bit was gonna go over way better. I thought I was gonna show Fail. you. Oh, well. Alright. You had a whole day. <laughs> and then for me, we've got Generations uh, Banner Hulk and Totally Awesome Hulk. Uh, so Marvel Generations is finally launching this Tuesday, which I, or excuse me, this Wednesday, which I'm super, super excited about. Uh, can't wait to get this started. And, and the Hulk issue is the first one. So it should be a lot of fun. Obviously, these are two characters who have interacted before in the sense that Bruce Banner uh, trained Cho. And to, you know, taught him the ropes of being the Hulk. So it'll be interesting to see how this interaction differs from what we've already seen. Probably it'll differ in the sense that Hulk, uh, Banner will be more of the Hulk than he'll be, than he'll be Banner. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. And then also Vision Director's Cut number three. Uh, the Director's Cut series for Vision has been really awesome. It's really cool to get to see Tom King's process. Um... And there's also like a bunch of art from Hernandez Walta in the book as well that you can see on unreleased art um, concepts for different covers and things like that. Uh, scripts, of course, from Tom King. We're huge fans of Tom King on this show. And you can absolutely go check out our Tom King episode that we did, uh, Creator Spotlight, from a few months back if you want to know more about our feelings about Tom King. Um, so that does it. That's going to do it for the Palace Pulls this week. Again, you can use that hashtag Palace Pulls to share yours with us. Uh, now we're going to jump into the news because there is so, so much to talk about coming from San Diego Comic-Con. And we're going to start with DC because DC undoubtedly had a strong showing, I would say, in San Diego. They've been having an amazing year and uh, I don't think that there's any stopping this train, at least for the time being. That's in the comics realm, though. In the film realm, things are uh, on shaky ground. We got Wonder Woman. Everybody liked that, pretty much. Uh, and now it's time to see what they've, what they've got coming down the pipe. And so, um, at their Hall H presentation, um, they, we got a lot of information about what's to come. And the first thing that I want to highlight is the Justice League trailer. This is the second trailer that we've gotten for the film. Um, what do you guys think about it? Well, every DC movie's been really good so far. I think Dawn of Justice was a home run. Suicide Squad is an Academy Award-winning film. And Man of Steel is my favorite movie of all time. <clears throat> if there's a movie that we shouldn't worry about, it's Justice League. You know what? <laughs> okay. Hold on. I Warner see, Brothers uh, hang on, backing hang on. a truck up to I my house I see what right happened now. here. I see what happened here. So, when Phil lost his audio, we were transferred into Earth 2. <laughs> So now we're in like an opposite world situation where they actually put out good movies. Hey, Wonder Woman. No, in this universe, Wonder Woman's bad. Where they actually put out good movies. Was that a dig at Wonder Woman? Was that a dig at Wonder Woman? More, I'm sorry. 
I, there was a a sentence missing there uh, where they put out more good movies oh, okay. than just Wonder Woman. I was like, "What? I have I have audio evidence that you enjoyed that film." <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, it didn't it didn't do a lot for me. Like there was nothing here that made me go, "Oh shit, this might be good." Uh, I've said I've said this uh, all along, pretty much. This uh, it looks like the you know the the Justice League comic, the first volume of the New Fifty Two, which they did an animated adaptation of as well. Justice League War. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm just I'm not into it. I didn't think that book was good. I didn't think the animated film was that good. I'm I don't think this is going to be very good, and this trailer doesn't do anything for me it's weird how much that book was pushed as like an introduction for justice league content like i i think the clear intent by dc and warner brothers was like this is a good launching off point to get familiar with all these extraneous characters that aren't batman superman if you're not familiar with them but like i personally am with you kale i think that book was really bad i I think jeff john's run for the majority is pretty good honestly but that particular arc was not very good um but as for the trailer itself, um, it didn't do much for me either. Um, I'm, I, I, there are some red flags, I think, with the reshoots. Uh, though that said, with the red flags in mind, we all can bear in mind that there's a lot to be excited with regard to uh, Henry Cavill's mustache in this movie. Um, because I think he, re- I think Superman recognizes that Clark Kent is probably dead, so he'll double over as Freddie Mercury, which is a good thing. Um, so i mean that part could be good mama just killed superman (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah for me um another pretty lukewarm reaction i i i think it's fine you know it's a fine trailer i i think the anti-hype around it seems a little overblown for my mind like i think a lot of people were criticizing it for being um like very what was the term everyone was throwing like cgi heavy or whatever like i forget whatever people were complaining about how much cgi was in it but it's like yeah it didn't marco call it a cgi orgy something or something like that and he wasn't the only one but you know it's like it's the justice league movie it's and a movie about a like bunch that. of yeah right but um orgies. yeah and um i don't know i just i feel like I feel like people seem to have an axe to grind about this movie already and that there seems to be a negative narrative forming around it based on very, very little of substance. So I'm, you know, going to try to remain cautiously optimistic because I thought that I was able to smell the blood in the water around Wonder Woman and I was pleasantly surprised when that movie was great and I loved it. So I'm going to hold out hope that, you know, between... The reshoots and all this extra time they're putting in and, and all some of the stuff we're going to talk about later that hopefully the final product is something that's going to be um, worth seeing. But I will say this trailer didn't really do that for me either. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, like put all your, you know, concerns to rest. This trailer looks great. So I really loved this trailer. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I think that. I, I, th- I think it's a lot of fun. I love the character interactions a lot. I think that they've trended towards um, trying to inject some humor and some levity into 
the film as a result of some of the backlash that stuff like um, BVS got and um, Suicide Squad got. And that's cool. You know, I'm not like <laughs> that, that bit with the flash uh, with him and, and, and Gordon hey man, when they're hey, all hey, on top hey, of the building. Hey. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh so yeah i mean it's just it's a lot of fun there there are definite laughs in this trailer um i love the part where aquaman is riding through the building on the parademon uh and and speaking of which they're they're making aquaman seem really cool in this film uh it's obviously it's a huge departure from the actual comic book character but he's the big dog in the yard <laughs> oh god <laughs> bow wow uh, and then, of course, there's my favorite bit in the trailer, which is when uh, they're all on the rooftop and Flash, uh, they all like disappear because they're cool and Flash doesn't because he doesn't know that that's the thing to do. And he just hangs around with Gordon and he's just kind of like, oh, man, that was rude. <laughs> just awesome. Uh, I don't get the negativity surrounding this. I think people are reacting to sins of the past for the most part. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. I'm excited. This trailer excited me even more than I already was, so we'll see. I, I think when it comes to negativity around Sins of the Past, I, I think that's as normal. I think that's how people are, where it's like, well, your, your resume isn't good, so, like, you know, this is a show-me film, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't say that it's abnormal, but I do say that it's... I, I, I question how much of that negativity is a response to what people are watching and how much of it is a response to what people have seen before this. Was this trailer the worst thing ever? Hell no. You know, absolutely not. And if you're going to criticize something for being CG, you should probably be consistent because all these movies are CGI fests. You know, that's the way it is. They have to be. Yeah, that's just like not a valid criticism about a superhero movie, let alone a superhero team up movie. You know, like there's gonna be a CGI orgy. You know, like that's that's well, just how else do you represent these characters? I think if you here we go. Well, no, it's just like I think as if you're a person who doesn't like that type of movie in general, that's a valid complaint because maybe you just don't like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. That would I be, disagree. If you don't like that movie, you're not going right, to care about this like anyway. That would be like saying, gosh, like this rap album sucks. They're rapping. Like, well, why are you listening to it then? That's right. what they do, yeah. you know? You can't criticize something for being what it is if that what doesn't appeal is. to you. Then just, okay, that's not for me. Move on, you know? Um, yeah, I feel like the people who are legitimately upset about the CGI probably aren't the ones commenting anyway because they just don't care. Yeah, you move on. You go watch, you know, I don't know, what's uh, what's that movie? Uh, Baby my, Driver. My Name is Totoro. Yeah, well, something like that. I don't know. That La La Land movie or something, you know? like. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, speaking, go ahead. Although, that said, uh, if Baby Driver's an obs- acceptable substitute, I'll definitely go see that and pretend it's the it's Justice not League acceptable. too. Yeah, you still have to go see Justice League. Ooh. You can have one of my free tickets. <laughs> yeah, guys. Hey, Justice League was great. Ansel El- Elgort drove that fucking car and John Hamm was in it. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of reshoots, uh, 
<laughs> there have been reshoots for Justice League, and this news has been sweeping the net lately because, frankly, the details are hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Good way of putting it. Now, you know, reshoots are a common thing in Hollywood. Uh, there is time set aside for every movie to, or, you know, these big tentpole movies to have reshoots. It's a necessary thing just in case something needs to be added or whatever, you know? Um, they screen these films and then they do reshoots to adjust based on the reactions of the screening. Common. Uh, what isn't necessarily so common is that the. The reshoots for this film, according to Variety, have been going on for two months and have cost $20 million additional dollars. Um, and a lot of that has to do with scheduling conflicts for the cast. So Ezra Miller, who plays The Flash, is working on the sequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, and Henry Cavill is working on the sixth Mission Impossible movie. How there are six of those things, I don't even know. But... Uh, it's easy for WB to work around the schedule that Ezra Miller has because uh, Fantastic Beasts is a WB property, and so they can make changes and shifts wherever they want to. But Cavill is a different story, and the big issue is that he had to grow a mustache for this particular role, and he is not allowed to shave it for his Justice League reshoots. So... They have to be digitally removed in post. It's hysterical. It's it's just as funny today as it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I could have been part of that conversation. Yeah, I think I can I think I could take that mustache out. <laughs> I I was at a party recently with someone that uh does that kind of work for a living and he's like, "Oh man, there's going to be a whole team assigned to digitally editing out that mustache." For at least a couple months, and that job's gonna suck. And you gotta think about how much like extra money that's gonna cost on top of the fact that they had to spend this twenty or twenty million dollars for reshoots. And you know, Lord knows if that's just for the time for the shoots, or if that includes like everyone else's salary that's been extended. And you know what I mean? Like, who knows? So it's like it's it's clearly going to end up in the long run costing them even more money and even more time uh in in you know invested in this movie. Yeah. I honestly think they should just keep his mustache and edit the film with the mustache. <laughs> Add the mustache. <laughs> It'd be a great uh homage to like the return of Superman. He doesn't come back with a mullet, he comes back with a great big mustache. Hell yeah. I'm I'm here for that. I'm not uh, <laughs> at all. It's just like Sean to kill the right. party. Uh, so I, I uh, keep it the way it is in the books, Kale. Yeah, Bus- <laughs> business on the chin, party on the upper lip. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I kind of wish that this kind of thing didn't become news. I wish that we didn't hear about this stuff because, you know, it it does create bad vibes and this isn't great press for the film, but it's ultimately inconsequential. Uh, WB has no control over the fact that Henry Cavill's shooting another film and that he had to grow a mustache for it. Now, you could argue that scheduling should have been handled better, especially if something as serious as him having to grow facial hair he couldn't cut was going to happen during the period of time where reshoots are required. Um, but that's not really WB's but fault like, necessarily. Yeah, and to be fair, like they didn't know that 
Zack Snyder was going to have a tragic loss in his family that was going to affect production of the movie. And, you know, like that obviously invariably changed their timeline and everything, you know, and it's like shit happens. Joss Whedon didn't need to do such sweeping reshoots to do two additional months of reshoots. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know that, though. Because, like, what if the movie was in such a position that, like, he did? Like, I don't think they would be spending all this money and giving him all this time to do these reshoots if they didn't think they were necessary. I think they think they're necessary because they're worried about the product. See, but that's a read. Let's keep in mind that the, that the, the, the Variety article says... That this is due to scheduling conflicts, it, it, like in a, that's why it's taking right, so like, long. Like in large part right. due to schedule, they can't get him on the set, you know. And now they have this problem of he's got a damn mustache. How do we handle this? So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there. And then speaking of Joss Whedon, um, he's he's doing some touch ups, right? We know that he's um, punching up the dialogue and you know adding adding some stuff like that, but he's not. He's not drastically altering the film. This is what we know based on the reports. Um, so I, I'm hesitant to read too far into any of this stuff because at the end of the day, we're not there. And we'll probably never know exactly how much Joss Whedon had to alter this thing. But I look at that as a positive. If he's sitting there working and making it a better product, that's for the better. you know. And um, I just don't see an issue. I think people are making a mountain out of a molehill here. I got my tinfoil hat on, man. You did say you were the uh, Alex Jones of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, there were other announcements coming from the uh, DCEU Hall H presentation, uh, including the full slate of films that we can expect from the DCEU for the foreseeable future. So I'm going to rattle off these films, and then we'll talk about a few of them after we're done with the list. So uh, Shazam, Suicide Squad 2, uh, the new Batman film, which is officially titled The Batman, keeping it simple, uh, Justice League Dark, Flashpoint, Wonder Woman 2, Green Lantern Corpse, and Batgirl. So uh, obviously Wonder Woman 2 has been, the sequel has been officially announced uh, to the shock of no one, and the Flash film is officially titled Flashpoint. You know, it really sucks that they're putting uh, spoilers in these titles already. Green Lantern Corpse? You're telling me there's going to be one of the Green Lanterns is going to die in the, <laughs> in the movie? You're putting that in the title? Come on. Uh, I think my main takeaway from this is why are they making Suicide Squad 2? Because Yeah, man. Man, that movie <laughs> okay. sucks. Excuse me. Excuse me. It won an Academy <laughs> Award. It was so bad. Oh, yeah, for makeup so that it didn't everything. even deserve. Well, that's a dig. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, be that as it may, right? We're we're talking about a list that includes Flashpoint. That's look. Whatever you think of the quality of that that comic book storyline, that book is only possible after years and years and years of storytelling. How do you make that movie? Obviously, it's not going to include everything. But even beyond that, what's the purpose of this? Yeah. Um... And they just did it uh, again, like uh, like we said before with uh, uh, the the Justice League um, storyline. Uh, they it, it seems like they're milking content from the comics, which is fine to a degree. But we've also only just seen this universe be born. Like we're gonna reset it already. Well, if that's what they do, right? 
it, it, you know the 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 flashpoint name well i mean that that was the purpose of the of the event in the comics right and it just could be a name <laughs> like batman v superman was just a name and that movie wasn't about that at all well i don't know I... it was about martha <laughs> Dawn of Martha. <laughs> Martha versus Martha. Dawn of Martha. <laughs> Dawn of Martha. I love it. Uh, Martha Stewart's new morning show. Twice. I certainly understand the desire to look at this and say, so they're going to do uh, a reboot, right? But I don't think that that's. I don't think that that's where they're going to go with this. Uh, I, but I. But I think that some element of the Flashpoint storyline and what it did will. Uh, seep into the film and i think that they're probably going to use this as a way to get uh ben affleck out of the dceu that's my logic possibly i think that makes sense so do you you think he's not gonna do the reeves movie no he's definitely doing the reeves movie yeah he's he's he said he's at least a he he talked at this hall h panel actually he was present and he said that um he was very excited for this film, for for the the Batman film, uh, in fact, let me just read a quote directly from the man himself. Let me be clear: Batman is the greatest fucking part in the world. I am thrilled to do it. I'm really blown away and excited. So there you go. I mean, he's he's committed to this role. He's committed to this uh, this character for now. You know. Yeah. Um. So maybe it is a way to get Batman out. Maybe it's a way to, uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've seen people online speculate that this movie is a means to kind of soft reset the DCEU, so that you know the events of Man of Steel or Batman v Superman and perhaps Batfleck are not canon anymore. And I mean, that's possible. Um, ultimately, it could just be a title too, for all we know. Right, that's a great point. I mean, like, all we need to do is look at Captain America Civil War to see how loosely a title can be adapted into a, you know, a different storyline. But that, that's not, that doesn't hold water at all. That movie was about them fighting each other. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. It, It, it's like, in the, it's, I don't know. I feel like that movie, we talked about this in a previous episode, I don't remember which one, but how you can kind of do that movie without like the whole registration thing. And like that conflict is really ancillary to the actual like, yeah, film. the first half is more of an Avengers movie where the second is the actual Captain America. movie. Yeah. And like, you realize that the whole civil war plot is really not that relevant to like the crux of the narrative, like at the end of the day. So like, just because they're calling it Flashpoint, I'm sure that the major beats of Flash being set in another, like screwing with the timeline in some way and seeing an alternate version of the universe, I'm sure something like that's going to happen. But how directly they're going to follow that storyline is anyone's guess. Or Thor Ragnarok, even. That doesn't seem like it's right. going to strictly follow the Ragnarok story. There's a lot of Planet Hulk elements to it. It's it could just be a title ultimately this has been a problem for me for a long time uh or at least it was when civil war was announced i was livid because as much as i love that storyline and as my head exploded when i saw 
you know, that graphic reveal of, oh, Captain America Civil War, when I stopped being hyped and I sat and thought, I realized this is not going to be the comic and that sucks. Um, but now my perspective is, look, th- this is a different universe. It's a different, um, you know, d- there's, it's just different. They don't have all those characters. They haven't been around long enough. But using those names gets people like, like us excited, thus channeling that excitement into more casual audiences who don't have a familiarity and don't have the expectations of, well, they're bet, well, Mr. Fantastic better be in this movie or it's not Civil War, right? You know, like those things don't matter to them and they're not going to try to adhere to that standard. So with Flashpoint, I think it's, it's, it's logical to say, yeah, it'll hit some type of marker that resembles the comic loosely but it's not going to be a one-for-one adaptation nor could it nor should it be because flashpoint wasn't that good anyway um any other thoughts about the announcements coming from the dceu i think it's just like i know that it's kind of par for the course for the film industry to come out and make like big announcements years in advance but I just feel like this seems like such a misstep for me where I, I feel like DC is in such a – or the DCEU rather is in such a weird spot right now where like they have four movies out and I think of the four of them, only one of them is good, you know? And I, I think it's up for debate whether some, – some people seem to like, you know, the other three movies a lot, um, particularly Man of Steel seems to be the one that has the most defenders of it. But, like, I feel like Wonder Woman is the one movie that is, like, agreed upon by most people that it was actually quality. And it's just, like, for them to come out and be like, here's the announcement of, like, what is it, like, eight more movies or six more movies? It's like, I don't cool really pies. know that I want – what's that? Cool your pies. Yeah, it's like, can, can like, I don't know. Can we maybe just, like, focus on some of the announcements that you've already made and, like – give me a little bit more of those instead of announcing a ton of things that are so far off. And it just seems very bullish when the overall quality and success of their content has been like lukewarm at best. The problem is that they're a movie studio and they have to, you know, they've got a bottom line, they've got investors, they've got, you know, these movies take a long time to produce. Um, You know, they're in production for years and then they start filming. So that's just that's just not feasible. They've got to make these announcements to get us excited. Um, and even if they didn't tell us, they'd still be working on them. So I'd rather know than not. Uh, and um, they're trying to make yeah. money. They got to move ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see regarding the quality. I think it is it is something that I'm a little happy about that Jeff Johns is is now kind of spearheading this thing. I think he's got the right mentality. He worked on Wonder Woman uh, a lot, and I don't attribute like its success to him necessarily, but I think that him being in a position of power to say, look, we need to make these movies a certain way, that is big. That's huge because he's been a big part of DC's success over the last few years. So him helping out on the films, great. Yeah, and like that's the thing is I want to walk away – with the positive energy from Wonder Woman and look at this announcement as a positive thing and be excited for these movies, but I'm just not, you know, like uh, I, I need to see more from them that's of similar or greater quality before I'm really going to jump on that hype train. And I think for me as a fan anyway, it they're doing a disservice by trying to get me excited for these movies too early. 
then then there's nothing they can do for you except for make great films because at like this is something that they still have to do so you, you know all they can do is do what they're doing and hope that they can sway you with one of these films down the road yeah or again like trailers you know like i think like that that's that's i guess more what i'd rather see from them is like i want to be shown something that gets me excited not telling me that they're making something and get excited for it it's like mm, okay maybe yeah I, I wouldn't say that i'm necessarily like wowed by this slate of films but uh you know hoping for the best yeah i think it's just like i can look at every one of these announcements and be like well this is like six years away or this is three years away or this is a movie that's been through development hell or this is a movie that i'm not sure how we're gonna feel about after justice league and there's just a lot of things that make me go okay Clear your jets, maybe. But like, but you're right. Like, they have to do what they have to do. I'm just, as a fan, asking me how I feel about it. Eh. Well, and I, it's also worth pointing out back to that Jeff Johns subject. You know, Justice League is a, is a movie that very much has been played musical chairs with. And I think, I, I really think it's going to be a linchpin to, to how the rest of the DCEU is going to hold up. Um, if... You know, this switch was successful and, and you know, Jeff Johns and Joss Whedon, you know, help crank out a good movie. And then I think the rest of it will be fine. There's a, a very small, teeny tiny part of me that wants to believe that Zack Snyder would make a good Justice League movie. And I just, I just don't know if it's there. And, and we'll never know because if... Justice League comes out and it's really good. Everybody's going to attribute that to Jeff Johns and Joss Whedon. If it comes out and it's really bad, everybody's going to say, "Oh well, Zach, they couldn't salvage this movie. Zack Snyder ruined it from the start." And that's not fair, right? To him. Yeah. Uh, so moving along, there were some comic book announcements uh, that we did get. Um, Frank Miller is doing a Superman Year One style story. So Frank Miller, of course. Famous for things like Batman Year One and Sin City is going to try his hand with Superman. Uh, and uh, some people aren't terribly excited about this because Frank Miller, of course, is known for his darker take on characters. And a lot of people don't think he really gets Superman. Um, but he did have this to say about the announcement. Through Dark Knight, I got to touch about all the characters at the DC Pantheon, but I never really had my real meaningful crack at Superman. In the case of DC Comics, which has by far and away the strongest and richest mythology, there are those three fundamental pillars they have of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. All of the characters kind of string along underneath of them, which is wonderful. On the subject of Superman and him not having a grasp on the character, or even hating the character, Miller had this to say. The Dark Knight series is all from Batman's point of view, but if you look at Dark Knight 2... You'll see a Superman who's much calmer than the one in the first Dark Knight. Batman and Superman are dead opposites. I love Superman. Do I love Batman more? They're not people. They're only lines on paper. Any reactions to that? I'll just say this real quick point. Uh, It really sounds like Frank Miller has grown. uh, Because I I don't think he he was a big fan of Superman. Um, You know, I think... I think especially after 9-11 and everything that happened there, I think he, he really wanted someone like Superman to to save the world. 
but we only had people like Batman, and that's where Holy Terror came in. Um, I, I really think he's grown, you know, over the past almost 20 years, 15 years. Um, so I think I, I, this could, I don't know, like Phil says, it could be good. Uh, if his, uh, if, if, if what, uh, he was doing with Superman in, uh, DK3 was any indication, it, it really seems like there's a, a, a decent shot at him saying something worthwhile. There's a lot of cause for trepidation for a myriad of reasons. For one, as Sean mentioned in the article, a lot of people think that Frank Miller doesn't get Superman, which I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, for two, people have been very outspokenly critical of Frank Miller's writing over the last 15 years. And for three, there's a lot of people who don't like John Romita Jr.'s art who is attached to the title. Oh boy, yeah. But I think there's cause to be excited. Um, I think the criticism of Frank Miller not understanding Superman is unfounded. Um, if you read Frank Miller's Born Again, the Daredevil story, there's a good issue with Captain America where he talks about serving the dream. Like it's a very good portrayal of Captain America. Um, I, I I think ideologically there aren't. aren't significant differences between the characters of Superman and Captain America. I think in The Dark Knight Returns, uh, his writing of Superman isn't really that strange. Um, Superman is very sympathetic of life. He spares Bruce. He sees he's got a weak heart. Um, and Superman is in a position he's reluctant. He found himself reluctantly in. Um, with regard with his, his writing the last 15 years, I can't really defend that. I think the last good thing he really wrote was probably Dark Knight Strikes Again, which is a polarizing opinion. But um, I'm really curious to see his take on the character. I think he'd be good. I, I think he's a pioneer for the industry. Uh, what he did in the 80s and 90s and 70s uh, transformed the industry, and there's tons of, of incredible work to be reported on. Um, so I'm really curious to see what he has to say. I gotta say, um, as as I have a ton of respect, of course, for what Frank has done uh, in his career, and a lot of the stuff that he did has been so influential that you know we've seen it shake the industry, and there are echoes everywhere. Um, but I, nothing that he's written since I've been alive has been you know terribly great, uh, and especially since I became a comic book reader, the, nothing that he's done has appealed to me. And so I don't really know that there's a reason for me to be excited about this. That being said, though, I will still buy at least the first issue just to give it a chance. I do agree with you that I think that that um, the commentary about him not understanding Superman isn't correct. And I think that what he said is, is, is accurate. Like, the book is written from Batman's perspective. It's not about Superman. It's about Batman. And if you're a Superman fan, you'll find kernels of truth for that character in the story. But he also has to uh, write it based around Batman, and so I never looked at those. I never looked at those portrayals and thought, "Wow, this is wildly inaccurate for Superman." I'm with you, Sean. Um, yeah, in general, I, mean, I I would honestly echo everything that you just said. I don't think I could say it better. Why? Thank you. Uh, so, of course, in conjunction with what we reported on last week, DC had a huge showing 
Um, if you want to know more about our thoughts about some of the other announcements that came from DC, you can check out our, our San Diego Comic-Con Part 1 episode, um, and that'll give you a full picture of our feelings about their stuff. Uh, so now I want to move on to a very sad story, because a long-standing relationship has ended, in fact. Uh, a One More Day-esque, if you will, ending <laughs> of a relationship, because... Archie and Sega have split. After 24 long years, uh, Archie will no longer be publishing Sonic comic books. Uh, and in fact, this book did launch in 1993, had more than 290 issues, and was the longest-running monthly American comic to never be relaunched. So, a sad state of affairs. But maybe with some positives. What do you guys think about that? A moment of silence, please. On a podcast, no. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast, no. <laughs> um, so, Sean, I'm, I'm inclined to criticize your uh, metaphor there just because I think unlike One More Day, there could be some good that comes from this breakup. Okay. Uh, <laughs> see, but that's where we differ because I think a lot of good came from the breakup of uh, Peter and Mary. Well, 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 we can talk about your absurd opinions that are shared by no one on another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're doing a Jean Grey episode? <laughs> oh, God, I didn't mean coming. to start this. <laughs> so anyway, what what I meant to say by that was I think um, IDW picked up the license, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's interesting, right? Like, nothing against Archie or their take on Sonic, but I think it was – I think the book in a lot of ways is a relic. You know, I think it was very influenced by – the 90s and a lot of the animated portrayals of Sonic and things that are just really not relevant to the Sonic to the Sonic franchise or like modern gamers anymore and I think unless you were someone who was already reading those books they're not easy to jump into and there's no reason for you to read them so I think probably from Sega's perspective um, with a, a clear restructuring that they've, if, you know, if you're, if you don't follow video games, you probably don't know this, but in the last like year or two, Sega's really been pushing this narrative that they understand that they've been basically running their business really poorly and treating their IPs poorly and that they really want to, um, have a more, you know, uh, just, a better relationship with their fans and everything and they want to put out higher quality content and i i wonder if they don't see this as an opportunity to relaunch the series and appeal to a new fan base and then hopefully retain you know at least some number of the people that were following the archie books because they'll hopefully just read the new sonic sonic comic right hmm. yeah that's uh that is really interesting um idw is doing a lot of like really good licensed properties right they have now. all the hasbro they, they stuff have, right like uh, Transformers and isn't that IDW? No. Yeah. I'm uh, to say yeah, yes. I think it might be. Yeah, uh, definitely Ninja Turtles, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think they did the the Gem book too, and right GI Joe. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, so they're doing all the Hasbro stuff, right? So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I wasn't sure about the Hasbro uh, title, but yeah. Uh, um, this is to me. This is just one like I, I, I like Sonic. You know, uh, just fine. You know, I love the Sonic games. I watch sonic as a as a kid uh but i i've never picked up a sonic comic other than for like my little sister um 
I saw that they did like a Mega Man crossover not that long ago. I was like, oh, that's dope. What a great idea. Uh, but that's the extent of like my knowledge of the, the Sonic comic universe. Uh, so like this, this piece of news is endlessly fascinating to me because it's like this 24 year old relationship is just, I don't know. It's not, it's not that it's just gone, but it's like, it's like this rock that was in a field and now it's, now it's just gone, but it's just gone. It's like, you're right. It is kind of just gone. Cause it's like, it, yeah, right? it's, it's like, weird that it happened with no fanfare, that there was no like yeah. big event there was no, you know, like ceremonious goodbye for this 24-year-old series. You know, it just, it, it seems weird. It seems like there's some part of this story that's missing. Yeah. And uh, I can't imagine that some of, like, some of this is not, you know, is Sega also going, uh, you know, Archie's focused on Archie right now. They've got the Riverdale show. They've got the Archie horror line. They've relaunched, uh, you know, uh, they've got a million lines right now for uh titles right now for the archie comics um you know i don't i just don't see archie as prioritizing sonic and i think sega probably saw that or maybe it's that like sega was just not seeing enough returns from their relationship and archie was really the only one benefiting because it was this book that has this installed fan base that's activated and buying the comic every month but aren't isn't really helping promote their games or really translate to better health for the overall Sonic franchise. Well, yeah. And after 24 years though, that's like a, a really weird thing to all of a sudden see, you know, Kale, does moving all to right. IDW make me, make you want to buy the book? It's not that it makes me want to buy the book, but we don't know anything about the new book. Really. It's like, I, it's totally possible that, you know, that they do a relaunch that has really big talent on it and that maybe we get, oh, you know, like it, I could easily see them finding a way to make a new Sonic comic that appeals to a way broader audience and gets buzz around it and is therefore good for the overall health of that brand, of how it looks, because like they had that Sonic cartoon that came out a while ago was really bad. The game that went that it was like based around that was supposed to be this side relaunch of Sonic didn't work out. You know, it's like this brand is like in really, really neat. Like it's in big need of like a facelift. And if there's a hot new comic along with Sonic Mania when it comes out and that game's actually good, then like that's the kind of things that could really start to turn like momentum around for Sonic as a you know, as a property. Alan Moore's Watch Hedgehogs. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just saying, I could see like a new Riverdale-esque Sonic book relaunch, you know, that has good talent on it, that gets what speaks to Sonic fans and, you know, hits it. I, yeah, I don't know necessarily that an IDW Sonic book is what would make me pick it up, but a new Sonic number one, one would definitely pique my curiosity. Yeah, I'm with For sure. I saw this uh, real quick. I just wanted to comment that I saw an article from Kotaku that was along the lines of like uh, Sega divorce. Uh, no more after twenty four years. No more uh, weird Sonic comics from Archie or something. And I thought that was real funny. Oh yeah, that's a good point. What what are we gonna do with all our Sonic OCs? <laughs> What's gonna happen oh, to Kale no, the no, Hedgehog? No, no, no. We're not even going there. <laughs> Go listen to that episode of the Video Game Pals. Yo, homie, we've already talked about furries. Uh, We're already there. Can we get out of there? Can we talk about 
Marvel and San Diego Comic-Con, please. I guess. I mean, I guess. (laughs) So Marvel had a really, really good showing this year at San Diego Comic-Con. Some big bombs were dropped this year. We got trailers, uh, some which we weren't necessarily supposed to see, uh, and some big casting news. So we're going to start off with the trailer that we were supposed to see, which is the Thor Ragnarok trailer. What did you guys think about this? I'm super hyped about this trailer. Uh, I love the first one we saw, and this one only added to that. Um, <laughs> I thought it was—I thought it was a good trailer. I, I'm definitely excited for the movie, but I thought it was really funny because I think a lot of people, um, when the first trailer came out, were making a lot of comparisons to the Guardians of the Galaxy in kind of like a um, like a cynical kind of way. And I was just like, "Oh, you're just saying that because it's in space and it has Led Zeppelin music." And then it was just kind of like I saw this trailer and I was like, "Oh, no, yeah, no, it definitely feels like Guardians of the Galaxy." But, like, I think that's a good thing. You know, I don't say that yeah. derisively. I've yeah, and I've said this a few times on the show. I I think if there's one uh, film uh, line that needs that, it's Thor. Thor could really use the Guardians treatment. Yeah, because I I think um, while there have been a lot of really great Thor books in general, I think like at least the way that Thor seems to be portrayed in the MCU, I think he plays off other characters really well, and I think he's more interesting when he has characters to bounce off of. Um, and I think having, you know, uh, specifically two characters that we really like, Loki and Hulk, uh, there for him to, you know, have on a team. Uh, or And then is, is the other person Lady Sif or is this a new character? Valkyrie. Valkyrie. Oh, it's Valkyrie. Okay, it's Valkyrie. And she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right, or something? No, that was Sif. Okay, huh. Whatever. Either way. Um, so I feel like having the three of those characters for him to play off of is definitely going to be to the benefit of the film. And it'll also give us a little taste of, like, you know, getting Hulk in a more, you know, hands-on feeling. Because we know we're not going to get that Holo, uh, Holo Sulk film. <laughs> solo Hulk film. <laughs> Sounds like solo a Star Holo Wars film. character. <laughs> um, so I feel like I feel like having him share the spotlight a little bit with Thor is going to be to both of those characters' benefits, for sure. Solo, holo! Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> it could be good. Mark Ruffalo, my boogie. <laughs> I, I actually just... This is so off-topic, but uh, I just started a new run of Knights of the Old Republic, and when when you start the game, you know you have to pick your name. So I'm sitting there with my girlfriend, and I'm um, using the randomizer, you know, because I just want to see the kind of weird stuff that it comes up with. And one of the names that it offered me was so funny that it stuck with me, or at least I found it to be funny. It was Hando Dendo. <laughs> Hando Dendo. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. What kind of name is that? Dendo is a great last well, name. Well, my girlfriend encouraged me to take it, so my character's name is Sean Dendo. I like that. Sean Dendo is cool. It's not bad, That's actually, a good name. Yeah. There you go. Do you guys think do you guys think that Pizza the Hut will be in Thor Ragnarok? Shut up. <laughs> anyway, regarding Thor Ragnarok, uh, I really love this trailer. I think that it represents more of the Jason Aaron era of Thor comic books, which is the more recent stuff. Uh, the initial Thor comics or Thor films 
came out before that run really got going. And so they reflected more like the JMS stuff and some earlier stuff, very um, serious, very dramatic, but kind of dry at the same time. And while there was humor, you know, you had Kat Dennings and stuff. I, I, I don't know that it always landed necessarily. Um, this time around... Or they were they were just yeah they were just little shining yeah. moments. I just I just feel like those movies are just so uninteresting. Like they're very unmemorable. Like the first one was like fun and cute or whatever, but it's kind of like nothing really happens at all. And the second movie just feels like nobody's having a good time. That's how I feel about most of the MCU, though. In in fairness. All right. At any rate, uh. This trailer's got Hulk, who's talking now, which I really love. I think that that gives us a different look at the character, which was needed after so many films of him not being able to speak. It pulls from Planet Hulk a lot, which I love. That's a great classic storyline for the Hulk. And while we'll never we'll never get a Hulk film, it's a nice way to sort of use that storyline um, without being able to go all the way. And didn't they say that like he's been in like Hulk's been Hulk for like two years? Like he hasn't. Changed back to Banner in that yep. one. So so I feel like totally makes sense that he should be able to talk. Yeah. The fact that it's been two years is also interesting. And that's, you know, you can you can speculate a lot and play with that a lot. Two years since. Yeah, for what that means for the timeline. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think this looks awesome. And then, of course, you have Hela, who looks fantastic. Uh, Kate. Hela good. She does. I like that one. I'm not even going to chastise him. <laughs> uh, God, Phil. You get worse at night with drinking involved. Um, <laughs> I, I love the, the – at the very end, you get that sneak peek of Surtur. I think that's awesome, and, and I totally didn't expect it. So I have high hopes for this film. Yeah, could be good. Damn you. I think it will be it. Yeah. I think it'll at least be a, a cut above the last two whole, uh, Thor movies. I think that's pretty safe to say. I would love a really good Thor film, man. That's like I really hope this is. Uh, I hope you guys are right, honestly. Like I hope this is a very memorable film. I hope so. Yeah, man. Um. So moving along, this this stuff really uh, got me actually. Uh, the we got some news about Ant Man and the Wasp, which is a film that. We haven't heard a ton about um, recently, but it's in production, and now we got notice of the full cast of the film. And some of these names I'm really excited about. So we'll start with probably the biggest announcement, which is that Janet Van Dyne will be in this film and will be played by Michelle Pfeiffer. My boner. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome. It's really exciting news. Yeah. Uh, so in the first film, of course, we do get a glimpse of Janet Van Dyne in a flashback. Um, and of course she's not played by, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, but she's fully, fully clothed in her, uh, wasp costume. Um, so the question in my mind is, is this just going to be a flashback that we see her in or Will Michelle Pfeiffer have an active role? Because, of course, we know that Janet Van Dyne gets stuck in that, um, you know, that other s- small world or whatever that was. The What was it called? Animus, the Atomverse, maybe? something like that. Um, so does she come out of that? 
You gotta think she's gonna be a full character. I, and that's kind of implied at the end of the first movie. Is like, oh, wait. Scott Lang came out of this universe? Maybe we can find Janet, right. too. Yeah, I, my bet is she comes out as the villain. I don't think so. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a cool twist. I'd like it. Um, I mean, I, I... Like... Other than just the name, I don't really understand why you would pick michelle pfeiffer when you know she can play catwoman as a villain and make it just amazing yeah i don't know i think you're just projecting (laughs) i don't think that's likely but here's for wishful thinking i i think i think that you know there's merit to what kale's saying but i would really i don't know i would love to see hank and janet reunited so those fans of us those of us fans who are in love with that couple, that, you know, those characters, we'll get to see them together. I'd love to see that dynamic. And then you also get that that second generation of um, Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne. You know, so I, I just think that it's, it'd be really cool to have both of those generations coexist. And that's something that is not offered anywhere else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into more casting uh, because there's a lot there's a lot of other really cool news. This one really really I I loved um, because Bill Foster, aka Goliath, is in the movie and he's gonna be played by Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> this is like the best. I'm so it's like yes, that's so cool. Yeah, that's bananas. Yeah. Like fuck yeah! I I absolutely love the fact that Bill Foster's in this. I love Lawrence Fishburne. This is awesome. It's like a match yeah. made in heaven. What do you think Elias going to be like? What do you think his role is going to be in the movie? I, I wonder if he's going to teach Scott how to control like his his growth powers and let him, you know, like wasn't there a there was a, a limit on it of some kind? He couldn't do it for so long, or he'd stay grown. Yeah, or, yeah. Or his atoms would destabilize like some, or something. Some some animorphs bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because the whole thing with Goliath is that he was Hank's protege. So is he going to be like a previous Ant Man kind of thing, like figure? You know, well, or well, the bad guy in the first movie was also uh, Hank Pym's protege, right? So, well, I th- maybe I I think Kale hit the nail on the head. Probably uh, Hank Pym is more familiar, at least in this line of films. Or this this version of the character, I should say, with the Ant Man. So, if that's his wheelhouse and expertise, and this movie is going to, you know, it, it makes sense that they would piggyback off of what happened in Civil War, where he does become giant. We could see Goliath kind of mentoring him, like, "Hey, this is how you control that." Um, I think that this is this is perfect casting number one and number two i love the fact that they're introducing a character who has probably no other no other way no other way to be introduced in the films other than this and it's going to be cool to see him uh we're, we're also getting randall park as agent jimmy woo jimmy woo is one of the few named agents of shield in the comics, I personally thought he would debut in the show Agents of Shield, but we're getting him in this film, and that's awesome. Yeah, Randall Park is a powerhouse too. Like he's he's a great actor. He's funny, and he's a great actor. Who's Randall Park again? He uh, he was in that show uh, Fresh Off the Boat. He's the dad in that show. Uh, he was in The Dictator, I think. 
Oh, wow. He was in the interview with James Franco and Seth Rogen. That's one. Huh. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's he's real good. Yeah. If you looked him up, you'd recognize him. He's been in a lot of things. We're also getting uh, Walton Goggins as Sonny Birch. So Walton Goggins is a name that you probably don't know. But if you look this guy up, I guarantee you you've seen him. Uh, I, I was trying to figure out where I know him from, and I just could not figure it out. But um, I, I've seen him everywhere. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, he's the guy no, called Mayhem no, guy. No, you're absolutely no, crazy he's wrong. not, Kale. Uh, Wait, doesn't he do that song Danger Zone and Footloose? That's Kenny Lawkins. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, but we've seen this guy in uh, The Shield, which is where I primarily know him from. I think I believe he's also been in Sons of Anarchy and a few other places. So he's, he's made the rounds, and now he's finally debuting in uh, the MCU. And then last but certainly not least, we're getting Hannah John Common as the ghost. So Hannah John Common uh, is from Game of Thrones. She she uh, had a role on there. And now she's going to be playing the ghost. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the ghost was like a D-level villain um, for the most part. He debuted in uh, Iron Man and kind of fell off the planet Earth for a while, and then he came back to Iron Man during Matt Fraction's Invincible Iron Man run, and I, I really fell in love with the character there. Um, and then he kind of shifted into an anti-hero a little bit in Norman Osborn's Thunderbolts uh, team, the the Warren Ellis run. So just really, really an interesting pick for a character to add, and then also an interesting casting because the ghost in the comics is a male. But this is one of those times where, for me, it doesn't matter that they're that they're making that swap because the ghost's origin is not specific to him being male, and also he's a character that no one really cares about. So this is an opportunity to switch things up, and uh, I don't think it affects anything. The ghost is a real dynamic design. I just I wasn't familiar before, and I just looked uh, like the costume up. It's real cool looking. Yeah. I like him a lot, or I like the character a lot. Every time you had said him before, I was picturing Gentleman Ghost, the Hawkman villain, which is much different. Yeah. So Ant-Man and Wasp was shaping up to be something really, really awesome, and I, I honestly can't wait to get the first footage from the film, which I can't imagine is too far off. Same here. I mean, like, I loved the first Ant-Man, so I'm I'm definitely ready for another taste of that cast of characters. Same. I think Ant-Man is probably my favorite of, like, the uh, origin story Marvel movies. Um, it's definitely in the top five for me for Marvel movies, period. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Love that Paul Rudd, baby. Uh, now we're going to talk about an announcement that I can't believe it is an, is an announcement because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, Iron Fist Season 2, we know that's a thing. That was announced um, at the Defenders panel at San Diego Comic-Con. But what came out shortly after that is who's going to be the showrunner for this uh, show. And that is the writer of the Electra film, Raven Metzner. Now, why this would be a thing that you would even say is weird? Yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my attitude about it. It's just like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, What are we talking about? <laughs> I was checking Twitter. I oh, that's, that's great. Uh, we're talking about... <laughs> Wow. We're, uh, man, we're talking about the Electra writer being the showrunner of Iron Fist Season 2. 
Oh God! Uh, That's why Kale's brain fell out of his head for a second. We have to do this again. <laughs> God, Phil, I can't believe you're making me talk about Iron Fist again. <laughs> Frick! Well, you could watch Electra. I'd almost rather. Oh God! All oh, right. God. Thoughts on this? Anyway, um, I, I, I think you're initial point is the most salient one is I just don't see why this is a thing you would advertise. Like I, I don't want to hold Electra against, uh, Raven Metzner, Raven Metzner. Um, just because writing a script for a movie means almost nothing. Like a good screenplay is a good screenplay. And that's a long, like that goes a long way, but like you could write a great screenplay and it could be ruined by, a million other layers that come after the screenplay gets handed over. You know, there's rewrites, there's the studio's execs input, there's the director, there's the producers, there's the way it's acted. Like, there's so many things that can fuck up a, a even, like, really good script. So, all that being said, though, wh- like, why would you tout this as, like, a thing? Yeah, why not, why not, like... The writer of Heroes Reborn or Sleepy Hollow, right? <laughs> why, why Electra? Yeah, I guess they uh, were like, "Oh, this is a superhero property." Oh, this guy's worked on a Marvel property before. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I agree with Pete. Like, I don't think it has any bearing on the quality of season two, good or bad. Yeah, yeah. Like the the he's still getting work, so it's like obviously. I don't know. I, I'm sure. I'm sure this doesn't really mean anything negative. It's just, it's weird. Like it, especially just like the fact that it's Iron Fist. You know, it's the one Netflix show that like everybody is down on, and then you're gonna be like, yeah, the writer for Electra is gonna run it. It's like eh, that's a bad headline. Yeah, why like, couldn't they get an Asian American showrunner? <laughs> I mean, that's that, that. I mean, on some level, that is a valid question i like it uh i just yeah the bar's already set so low why do you want to why do you want to lower it like (laughs) okay so we talked about the trailer we were supposed to see now let's talk about the one we weren't supposed to see uh after we recorded this uh after we recorded our last episode last week uh we, we had talked about the avengers footage there which at that point was not released to the public uh, well, it got released. It got leaked, in fact, uh, just after we recorded the show. Did you guys get to see it? I did. I did. I posted it in our chat. I don't watch leaked stuff. I'd rather I'd rather get the experience they intended for me. Yeah, Kale, I used to be like that. I, I just, I don't know, I, I can't do it anymore. I don't have the willpower, I guess. Uh, and also, I do this show, and I feel the need to be uh, up to date on some level. But, so... Huh. Wait, you prefer to be prepared for the show? Yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, it's a little thing called preparation. Let uh, that's a really interesting precedent you're setting for uh, the rest of us who, I mean, don't at all. <sighs> a lot of places I could take that. At any rate, um, we won't spoil anything for people who, like Kale, don't want to know what the trailer entails too deeply. But I do want to talk a little bit about what I thought about the quality. Uh, it's really good, honestly. It's it's not a story-driven trailer. It's more of a sizzle reel kind of thing. Um, but it, it, it's excellent. 
I mean, we, we went over a little bit and described some stuff last week, uh, so we won't go over that again, but uh, it's super cool to see these characters together. Um, finally seeing Thanos in all his glory kind of taking an active role in, in the proceedings instead of sitting in his chair. I'm so tired of that chair. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got the gauntlet down, and he's ready to take over the universe or end it or whatever. Uh, so I'm excited to see where things go. Me too. I think, I mean, like, this, this movie's very exciting. I, you know, like, obviously just the sheer, the sheer, like, spectacle of it all, of having this many superheroes come together on screen is, like, you know, interesting in and of itself. But, like, I think the fact that the Russos are the ones helming this up and they're responsible for the two, what are generally accepted to be the two best films, whether or not they're the two, uh, most beloved in the Marvel canon in, um, you know, Civil War and, uh, uh, Winter Soldier, you know, I I think they're well equipped to handle it, and uh, this is like a kind of weird anecdotal thing, but I I I thought that the fact that they handled so many characters so well in um, Civil War to me was like felt slightly influenced by their experience with Community, which was another ensemble kind of cast show that they directed for a ton of the episodes. They were like major creatives on that show. Um, so I just I feel like they're really good at handling lots of quote unquote main characters, and I think if anyone's up for the job, it's them. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I would normally be concerned uh, with so many characters crammed into one film. Generally, it's just hard to tell a good story with so many characters. But the fact that Joss Whedon isn't attached as the Russo brothers fills me with a lot of optimism, and the trailer itself is pretty good as well. So. Honestly, I got kind of hyped. I don't get hyped for trailers terribly often, especially uh, Marvel Studio films, but it could be good. Yeah, I mean, other than that uh, uh, Whedon comment, like I, I think I, I have high hopes for, for the Russos. I think, uh, yeah, like Pete said, they do amazing um, ensemble work, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to be good, and um, it's not a part of our news necessarily, but we did learn from Joe Russo, an interview with him, where he said that this movie is going to be upwards of two and a half hours, so hopefully that means that they're going to have the space to tell a story that doesn't feel rushed, and that feels epic, at, which, is what, which is totally appropriate for what this is. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm ready for that, that length. I think this is, like, the movie to do it. I think if either of the other Avengers movies had been this long, it would have been, that would have been insane. But for it to have this many characters, for it to be this storyline that we've been building to since Avengers, which was in and of itself a thing that we had built to for all this time, it feels appropriate. Yeah. Man, I just hope they give us an intermission. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kayla. It's to, not 1920. We the We're not seeing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They're not going to give us uh, an intermission. So probably the most exciting news out of Marvel's uh, Hall H offerings, and for me the most exciting news of Comic-Con, was the announcement, uh, well not the announcement because we already knew Captain Marvel was coming, but the announcement of what this movie is going to be. So we now know that it's going to be set in the early 1990s. Woo! And that's awesome. But even more than that, is the announcement that the Skrulls will be the villains in this film. Can't wait. This has me all kinds of excited for a movie I was already all kinds of excited for. This really disoriented me because I really thought that 
Marvel didn't have the rights to the scrolls, and that's why the Shatari were in the Avengers films. Or the first one, rather. Yeah, so the story goes that uh, Joss Whedon didn't use the scrolls, not because they didn't have the rights, but because he felt like it would be a lot to explain them and establish the relationships between the Avengers. I was going to say, I think that makes sense, right? Like, I think I think that was part of the reason that Loki was such a, like, uh, like, not... I'm trying to think of like kind of a middleman. Yeah, like and it's like he he there wasn't like this major thing of of like what's going on with him as a villain just because like it was about the Avengers becoming a team. So I think adding that extra layer would have been super complicated. But yeah, it was always like uh I think everyone always thought that the scrolls were off the table because they're prim- primarily associated with the Fantastic 4, but um yeah, that's never been the case. Yeah, I don't know. This announcement didn't do that much for me. Uh, I'm excited for the movie, but meh. Scrolls are cool, but you know. You don't care about scrolls? No, I do. I just, you know, I there's just something something about all this was just compared to everything else was just very lackluster for me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm with Sean. I thought this was really exciting. I'm with Kale. For as much as I really like Cosmic Marvel stuff, uh, scrolls, uh. I don't know. I'm not very hyped for this movie in general for whatever reason. Uh, I don't think I don't, I don't think Carol Danvers is that interesting for whatever like and uh, if if this is if this leads to some kind of secret invasion thing, I'm kind of just indifferent. I don't know. I think very similar to the Flashpoint discussion we had earlier. I feel like secret invasion while as like an event overall is a little uneven. I think like the ideas of what's like, or like the major moments and like the general kind of like elevator pitch about that as a storyline is there's a lot there to be like mined for interesting storytelling. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And you know, beyond that, um, the speculation has been because Kevin Feige said that, he, he referenced the Kree Scroll War when he talked about this announcement. And uh, I'll actually read the direct quote here. Uh, he spoke to IGN after the Hall H panel, and he had the following to say Captain Marvel will be our 21st film in the cinematic universe, and we've never seen the Scrolls. How come? We thought it would be fun. There's an entire section of our comics that deal with the Kree Scroll War, and we haven't tapped into that at all, and we thought that would be an amazing, huge part of the mythology to belong to Captain Marvel. So a lot of people have taken that and ran with it and now assume that the movie is going to adapt the Kree Scroll War storyline. I haven't seen him directly say that anywhere, and I don't believe that that's what he meant by this. I take this to mean that that's some somewhere they may be going. Um, and that the Kree, I mean, obviously the Kree are the reason she has her powers. She gets her powers from Marvel. Um so that's that. And then the Kree and Skrull are at war, yes. Um, and she may have something to do with that stuff. But I don't think that we're going to see the result of that war until a future Avengers film. Because it's too big for just a Captain Marvel film from from where I'm sitting. I, I completely agree. Um, I, I feel like the takeaway there in my mind is that like 
we'll get the introduction of like the Kree Skull War Skull the Kree Scroll War in Captain Marvel because of her connection with the Kree and everything. Uh, and then maybe that's like they, you know, we've we talked about recently how James Gunn said that uh, Phase Four Marvel is going to have a lot more of a cosmic presence. I wonder if that is, you know, the next big storyline is the Kree Scroll War and Secret Invasion and some combination of all of that. You know, uh, does anyone remember what the status of the Kree were in Guardians? Because we're led to... Oh, wait. No, wait. Shut up. Uh, never mind. Yeah, it was like... It was resolved. I had a big... I had a... Yeah, I had a big thought. My my thought was that the... No, I confused the Nova Corps with the Kree. Oh, I see. I... Now, my question is... I, are there any comics that deal with the Kree Scroll War? Like, I, I feel like it's always a backdrop topic that was never settled directly. It's always ancillary... Um, wasn't there? A, I think there was a whole Avengers. There's a, there's a, there's there? a book pre-scroll about War Avengers storyline. Yeah, it's an event. Yeah. When was that published? Uh, the 80s. Yeah. 70s, 80s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a Wolfman? No, he's DC. And then, well, and that's I feel like the, it was one of those. That's yeah. the war where the Scroll lose their planet, right? That's that's the well, whole. Galactus so eats their the, planet. the Scrolls suffer the loss there. Galactus eats their planet. They lose, lose, lose. Um, and then they decide after a run-in with the Illuminati that because they have nothing left, um, they should go for Earth. And in their books, you know, their holy books or whatever, it's prophesized that they would win the battle between themselves and humans and that they would use Earth as their homeland. This is the, that's the, the storyline in the comics. The scrolls. Yeah, the scrolls. And so that's why the secret invasion takes place. And they, they get new technology from Reed Richards after like probing him when he gets captured that allows them to um, take the shape of humans and not be and be immune to like psychics and all that other stuff, which normally they would get beat out by Professor X in two seconds. Which is a big part of like the zero issue of Illuminati. I th- I think for the Captain Marvel movie, you could easily have the Kree Scroll War happening as a backdrop to the narrative of how Captain Marvel gets her powers. You know, uh, uh, you know, Captain Marvel or whoever shows up on Earth as like a spy scouting, and his death as this as the spy results in her powers. And I think it works. You know, I think it'll be fine. I agree. And I, 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 if I, if I was a betting man, I would say that's their plan moving into Phase Four. So the other, the other bit of news that we got uh, regarding this film is that uh, Nick Fury is going to be making his reappearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that he will have both of his eyes. Um, Kevin Feige talked a little bit about that also during San Diego. Man, Comic-Con. that's going to cost a lot in CGI, huh? <laughs> you son of a bitch! Pete's been all about stealing you son of a people's bitch. You knew that was my all joke. this episode. You huh? knew that was my joke. Uh, we, <laughs> man, I'm just trying to make the good jokes from yesterday. I didn't. I Kale had a dead, glossed over look in his eye. He's chewing something like a cow. I don't know. <laughs> I'm updating my phone. I have to pay attention. You think I'm not? I'm not watching for the jokes, man. <laughs> uh, so let's get to Kevin Feige's quote. Where he said, we thought the 90s would be a fun time period to make a film in. 
We thought it would be fun to have Nick Fury back. We love Sam. We love that character. It would be fun to see what he was like in his earlier days. Uh, I agree with Kevin Feige. I'm excited to see Nick Fury uh, with both of his eyes. And maybe this movie will address why he lost the eye that he lost. Who knows? Maybe so. Yeah, maybe Carol Danvers pokes it out. <laughs> That's... That suck. I, I don't want. Yeah, no. I, I feel like it, this totally makes sense, right? Like it's a totally natural thing for him to be there because she's a pilot and then becomes a shield agent because of her whole involvement with the the Kree. So great. Well, she becomes Captain Marvel or you know Miss Marvel at the time uh, because she gets those powers and then she becomes. Yeah. I bet. I bet this leads right into Captain. Yeah, I don't think they're even going to go the Miss Marvel route. I think we're just gonna yeah. Um, the last thing that I wanted to mention is that, and so everyone believes that Captain Marvel will, will be in Avengers Infinity War. The reason they believe that is because there was a casting call for her. It was, it was. Because right. they said so. <laughs> uh, the Russo brothers mentioned her among, among a ton of other characters who would be in Infinity War. They said this during the Civil War like press tour. Um, and now they're doubling back. And uh, in an interview, Joe Russo said she's not in Avengers 3 when he was asked about her and her appearance in the film. So that's what he says. What do you guys think about that? I wonder if he's just being coy because like Carol Danvers is going to be in it and not Captain Marvel. You know? Like, that there's some fuckery there where it's like, oh, she's not in the main part of the movie. Or maybe she's in the sequel and not the next one. Like, but I, I would be surprised if we don't see her at all. Yeah, my my bet is there's uh, some after credit scene where we see the, the sort of B-team Avengers come in and, you know, uh, lead up to the, the rescuing of the Avengers in you know Avengers 4. I think I think that there are a lot of possibilities, but I also I'm firmly in the camp of she will appear in this movie in some capacity. I have a hard time believing that we won't see her at all, whether it's in an after credit scene or something. I believe that that Captain Marvel is in Avengers 3 and I'm certainly I certainly believe she's in Avengers 4. You can't tell me she's not until I see it and she ain't there. Um Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, are you guys – so, the way this is being framed, it seems like they're going to really push Captain Marvel to be a powerhouse figure, a real – like, one of the main Avengers in the next phase, so in, in phase four. How do you guys feel about her sort of taking that role? I'm assuming Black Widow is going to either take a step back or not be around at all. I think Scarlett Johansson is probably on her way out. Um, how do you guys feel about Captain Marvel sort of usurping her in that role as the lead woman in this universe? And do you guys see her as the leader of a new Avengers team? Or what do you think? I think they've been pushing that in the comics for like four years. Ever since she became Captain Marvel, they've been looking for a Wonder Woman character. So they promoted her from Miss Marvel to Captain Marvel. Uh... The only problem with that in the in the books is that her books aren't great. She doesn't really have a rogues gallery. She's not Wonder Woman. 
so but i i would i would argue her books aren't great right now fair yeah fair i would say i would say under deconic was you know she she really came to Rome. yeah that's fair um so i think to answer your question they're definitely pushing her to be like a big figure going forward uh is that a good thing it's up to say brie larson's a really good actress uh so it really depends on the execution yeah I, I think that's really all there is to it. Like, I think they've been pushing that narrative for a long time. It's just going to be up to them to deliver with a great movie. And I mean, again, the casting's there and they have delivered on these movies for most of us so far. So I would be surprised if it wasn't up to the task. And I've also heard the narrative that maybe Dr. Strange is going to be like another like leader figure in that. So I don't know if that weight's going to entirely fall on her shoulders, you know? So I'm, I'm sure it's going to work out, though. Cool. Uh, I have high hopes for this movie. I've been a massive Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel fan for over 10 years now. Uh, I don't know a Marvel Universe without her. So I'm very, very excited to finally get that character in the MCU. You guys say Brie Larson is talented. Never seen anything she's been in. But uh, I take you at your word. And I'm really excited to see what Marvel does with this. And I'm trusting that they're going to put their best foot forward. So that's going to do it for our conversation on San Diego Comic-Con. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Remember, this is part two. So if there's something that was massive that you didn't hear us talk about this week, you can go back and listen to our first episode. They go together um, just like the Comics Pals do. So be sure to check that out. Um, And then look for us everywhere that you can find us. We're on iTunes. You can leave us a rating there. Um, And all other social media or podcast hosting platforms that is but we are also on all social media platforms we are at the comics pals so you can check us out on twitter and instagram um and facebook you can we've got tons of stuff that we're posting there so be sure to look that all that up um all of our memes and different things like that um you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com you can write in with a random question of the week you can write in with a buy or sell any or all of those kinds of things, and we'll read them on the air. Uh, and last but not least is YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, definitely check us out on there. Um, give us a like, leave a comment, subscribe to the channel, and share the video. All that stuff is super important and really helps us out a lot. So if you are a pal of ours, show it. Um, and let your friends know that we're here and we exist and you like what we do. Uh, There's a lot of exclusive content out there as well on YouTube and a lot more to come. So stay tuned for that and jump on that bandwagon early. Uh, And also listen to the video game pals. It's good. Uh, We recorded the episode that we'll be releasing for you guys uh, tomorrow. We recorded that today and it was a good one. So check that out. Um, And with that, we're going into plugs. So Pete, hit it. Cool. So again, thanks for joining us here in another episode of the Video Game Pals. That <laughs> is the wrong show. Another episode of the Comics Pals, and check out the Video Game Pals tomorrow. Uh, if you guys want some more content from me, you can check out my writing over at CBR, and follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at loud underscore Pete, and talk to me about all the news coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. I'm going to run, or I'm going to miss Game of Thrones, so I'll see you guys next week. Peace! Take care. Bye. Uh, Kale. Uh, you can find my comics on panelspublishing.com, uh, where we have a store on selfie. Uh, please buy my books from the deep. Uh, they are eight pages 
something like two bucks each or something, please buy them because I like making comics and I like to be validated. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Phil. If you want to listen to the original version of this episode, just find my Twitter and Instagram at CyborgBebop. I'll be posting it there secretly. And uh, find Marco at uh, what was Marco? And what was Marco underscore? You posting it would mean you would have it. In which case, why are we doing this right now? In which case, I hate you. <laughs> oh, you're in so much trouble. Uh, and I'm at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. Talk to me about all the news from San Diego Comic Con or anything else that you feel like talking about because I'm lonely. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> and with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Bye.